We don't have a name yet, but welcome to our podcast. Smooth. <laughs> like the gainers we are. It's Josh and Ayana. I'm Ayana. And I'm Josh. <laughs> and we like comic books, so we're going to talk about comic books. I am a senior journalism major at the University of Southern California. I have a history of writing about comic books and entertainment. I go to a bunch of comic book conventions and interview artists and creators there. I have a lot of experience analyzing popular culture. Hi, I'm Josh. I'm also a journalism major from the same school. We used to work together. We still do work together. One of the earliest actually interviews I did for a podcast was uh, these group of people called Comic Arts LA, which is kind of a small exhibition that uh, they have every winter. Well, obviously not now, but it's pretty darn awesome. They invite a lot of um, burgeoning comic book artists in the LA area, and they do uh, like an exhibition, which is really awesome. I really, I literally just invited um, all four of the organizers, and I sat them in a CU and t- ranted for an hour. There, well, we all ranted for an hour. That was awesome. I didn't realize how crazy that was until now. And more recently, I also saw Art Spiegelman, who is the esteemed creator of Moz. Um, he came in for USC for a talk, and he vaped a lot. So that's my experience with comic books. Oh, and I also drew one for a comic book class. We should do an episode where we just talk about all the stuff that we've done, because we're very interesting people. <laughs> I often feel like people who say that aren't actually interesting. Um, so I'm not going to say that because I'm edgy and cool. Um, no, we are objectively very interesting people. So what? <laughs> so this is what we're thinking for the podcast. We're going to talk about current comic book news and events. And then we're going to talk about a comic book or something in that realm that we like and we're going to teach each other about it because we have very different tastes by the way um we are recording this in um sharing one mic because for some reason apparently a laptop doesn't let you connect two mics into one we're just handing off mics the old-fashioned way well i'm not sure we actually did this i don't know if anyone does this i don't think anyone does this (laughs) yeah especially now but yeah so without further ado um we will talk about the news that is happening in comic books. Um, so, Ayana, you you did have um, well, surprise, surprise. Um, Ayana will talk about the th- the most recent fuck ups of Warner Brothers and DC. Surprise, surprise. I'm a big DC fan, so I keep track of their mess, and there's a lot of it. <laughs> what I'm talking about isn't that it happened like two or three weeks ago, but it's what has made me actually. Let me just start. So Ray Fisher, in at some point over the summer, came out and said that Joss Whedon and Jeff Johns were abusive um, on the set of Justice League during resh- reshoots, created a really like unsafe environment and stuff like that. And so he's been talking about this for months because um, no one cares. They recently <laughs> opened up an investigation into Warner Brothers, like recently they did that. And it's very sad to see this new actor, this new black actor have to like stand up for himself like this, specific, like alone, when Justice League is in ensemble, cl- ensemble cast, which brings me 
to what Jason Momoa did, which was very sexy of him, if I can say, <laughs> if I can say that. <laughs> I think I think Fox can say sexy. That's fine. <laughs> um, Jason Momoa. Well, Warner Brothers released something as a way to distract from what was happening with Ray Fisher, and Jason Momoa came out on Instagram. He is the only cast member of this ensemble cast, which includes people like Ben Affleck. To say anything about what's going on with Ray Fisher, but meanwhile, but it was released a Snyder cut for years. But anyway, Jason Momoa said that Warner Brothers was being cowardly, basically, by trying to use him as a way to distract from what was happening with Ray Fisher. He said, I stand with Ray Fisher. He said, everyone on that set knows what happened and they know that it was wrong and there needs to be investigation. Which was a big deal because, as I said, Ray Fisher had been talking about this for months at this point, and Jason Momoa is the only one who has said anything to come to his defense. And I woke up out of my sleep one night, and I said, damn, imagine if someone like Ben Affleck said, I stand with Ray Fisher, and how powerful that would be. Why hasn't he done that? Except for the fact that Ben Affleck must be a bad person. Like, that is the conclusion that I came to. Because there is no reason for you to watch this actor. I assume people are calling him racial slurs because that's what people love to do to black people. Just call them racial racial slurs. Imagine Ray Fisher would be treated better by people if someone like Ben Affleck stood up for him. And he has the ability to do that and he hasn't done that. And neither has Gal Gadot. And neither has um, Ezra Miller, who are all problematic in their own ways. But there's really no reason to not support this your fellow actor. Do you have thoughts? No. Second thing, you know, first of all, agreeing on all of that. You know, and like, honestly, I'm, just, I'm very sick and tired of people who say, you know, but like Ben Affleck also is like, you know, a part of like this larger employment. And like, if, you know, you stand up against like people who are like against a toxic work environment, you make yourself vulnerable and like, okay, Ben Affleck isn't your next door office worker, like standing up to your manager. He is literally a multi-billion dollar, like, I would kind of say, you know, overblown, over-talented actor. Like, he has more the ability and the influence and also the insurance, the social insurance, to literally do anything more than silence. Like, to, to be silent is to just be cowardly. Like, if you have especially that much influence, to not do anything, not to even just, like, defend him, and to pretty much stay silent and let that continue, is disgusting. If if the recent scandals of Harvey Weinstein, of the Me Too movement, of the recent reckoning that we have the race in that is rife in America, like, to stay silent, especially if you are literally a privileged white man is cowardice. There I said. Let's talk about the last Ben Affleck movie that me and Josh were required to see. We had to watch this movie because we took a film class. It's called The Way Back. I saw it. I think it was one of the last movies I saw before the shutdown. It was, and I got upset. I was, that is an awful movie to have seen in theaters. Ugh. The theater experience was so bad. It's not a good movie. 
And it was apparently something that Ben Affleck was, like, very passionate about. It's, like, a movie that's essentially about him. So, like, he has the privilege to be able to bankroll his own movie. But he can't tweet out a little hashtag to help out a young black actor. I'm looking at you sideways. Do you have more to say? I really don't, but, like, I think especially if you are a part of a franchise, like, especially if you're a comic book hero, like... Of course, I'm not saying, like, that when you are a comic book superhero in, like, a franchise that you inherently have a higher moral standard. No. But, like, I don't know. Like, if you're at least trying to imitate Bruce Wayne, I think Bruce Wayne would have stood up. I think Bruce Wayne would have not stayed silent. In fact, you know what? I do doubt that Bruce Wayne wouldn't have stayed silent because he literally runs his own company. And, like, no. He would have not fucking done that under Lucius Fox under under his watch he would have not done this bullshit like come on do better that's all I can say Ben Affleck does not care about being Batman <laughs> let's get that straight yeah I have more news <laughs> season three Harley Quinn it's confirmed they confirmed oh, it yes yes this is Joy's news wait Oh yes, 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 yes. Um, so I have something to I, I have something to confess actually. Um, have I had a long secret shame ridden relationship with fan fiction? I'm sure all of us, most of us do. I hope um, by saying this. Um, so and like you know, us gay boys often don't read lesbian fan fiction. I, I'll have to admit, just like the moment they kissed as they like drove that car out of that chapel i was like fuck that's hot uh, <laughs> i'm sorry that I, I i'm speaking my truth it's it was an i mean i'm sure we can do an entire episode actually i think before um this recording we were thinking of actually doing our pilot episode on it because it was like the most recent thing mm-hmm. also uh you know what fuck you dc uh i stole ayana's account be better or be more accountable and then maybe i will buy your fucking product go fuck yourselves you have disappointed the entire fan community for 20 years and have pretty much like siphoned our money just purely on fan loyalty this is a small victory y'all but anyhow that is very exciting news did they say what what is coming yeah so that dc universe account was the most i've wasted 80 dollars it's 80 dollars it was 80 dollars for a year still not cheap so i have it until like july or something like that um but guess where season three harley quinn is going hbo max they're shutting down dc universe <laughs> dc universe is no longer going to host any sort of tv anything they're moving all of the tv and all the movies to hbo max so dc universe is just going to have um comics which is cool but it's not what i paid for you're not paying eighty dollars to read comic books. DC, I'm not paying anything to read comic books. I pirate all of my comic books. Huh? I pirate most of my comic books. Um, yeah, DC is a scamming company. <laughs> they really scam the fuck out of their loyal fans. <sighs> it's only fair. All the mediocrity that we have seen, like it's only fair. Like out of all the, you know, for. All the mediocrity that DC has fed us over the years. Small victories, y'all. Small victories. Um, but also, don't sue. Um. <laughs> Someone from DC um, editorial or whatever ends up listening to this. Please say, I would love to work for y'all. <laughs> like, please hit me up. <laughs> for the record, you know, pray, praise be Jim Lee. Um, 
but also go fuck yourselves. Um, but okay, awesome. Um, did they kind of say what? Did they have any kind of teaser about what the stories will be and like what's coming, or did they just say season three's coming? Um, all I saw was it was like Harley and Ivy, um, like kissing or something like that, and it was like season three confirmed. <laughs> um. So um. Y'all, um, you should know something, like, um, Ayana already knows this, like, a big part of my love of comic books, especially DC, began with watching, like, the Batman animated series, like, yes, yes, I'm the one, I'm, like, talking about the one with, like, Kevin Conroy and, like, Mark Hamill, the late 90s one, yes, I know, like, I'm 10 years too late to watch that show, I lived in Beijing, where, like, lived in, like, communist China in the 90s, where, like, that was, like, a show to watch for kids, um, back then, so yes, I like my first sexual awakening was with the Robin from that series. Um, where was the talk going with this? My point is, no, that show actually brought in the kind of like Harvey and Ivy. Like that was the first time I saw Harley and Ivy as like a, a duo on screen. And I loved it then and I love it now. Um, and it's just so like, I don't know, like I think all of us when we read comic books, it's always kind of a nostalgic factor. Especially when you see like one of like the earliest couples you've shipped for being fulfilled on a major platform, like it's just like oh, gay tears just kind of gently rolling down my my millennial uh, my millennial cheeks. Um, so y'all, if you have not watched um Harley and Ivy, please do. Um, either well, mostly y'all are gonna pirate it. Let's be real, you're not gonna fucking buy DC. Um, don't don't. <laughs> yeah, don't pay for that. It's a waste of money. But the Harley Quinn animated series is the best thing that DC has put out in years. In actual years. <laughs> yeah. I think that's all my news. Very, very good news. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, I have more. <laughs> um, DC is not has pushed back the release of Wonder Woman 1984. If y'all don't just put this movie on the streaming service... The theaters are not opening up ever again. The theaters are done for. I would be very surprised if theaters are, if any theater manages to stay open during this pandemic. I think theaters in general are canceled over. So just put it online. Stop making us wait. They pushed it back months. You saw what happened with Tenet. Just put it online. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm very excited for that movie. I love Chris Pine. Oh, true, <laughs> true. What, in, what was actually your first, like, what, what was, like, the first time I saw Chris Pine and it just, like... Into the Woods? <gasps> no, he was in Princess Diaries. Oh, he was? He was? I remember just first seeing it, I'm, like, just, like, just, like, first time, just, like, what a beautiful man. Mm-hmm. And, like, that just kind of just a fleeting impression of him. It's like, oh, mm. I I should know more about that. I, I just vaguely know that that's coming out. It's set in the 80s, right? Which, like, I very much love. Like, um, you know, like, a lot of pastel, a lot of DeLoreans. Mm. I mean, that's, I think that's, like, those two things are, aren't they, like, literally on that poster, I think? Yeah, so. Yeah, so, yeah, DC, um, Dear Corporate Overlords, yet another PSA for y'all. Just release it on Netflix or HBO Max. Like, unfortunately, I love theaters, but, like, no one, like, especially now, who's gonna go watch like literally like theater's gonna be one third capacity because of social distancing even if they are open so um so we should probably talk about our next um kind of topic i guess this is kind of our opportunity to kind of tell the rest of y'all 
like what are our tastes because as Anna said earlier we have very we, are, we come from very different backgrounds we grew up watching reading interacting can I say it no I won't say it um two very different things as we have uh, been growing up so so I thought Ayana kind of gave us, gave us the idea that like we should talk about what our favorite comic books are and interestingly what our favorite comic book movies are. So yeah, without further ado, Ayana, what's what are yours? Uh, let's do comic books first. My favorite comic book is Batman: The Long Halloween. Um, I love everything about it. I love the writing. I love that it takes place over holidays. I love that it's early in Batman's career. I love that you see him be a, a detective. I love the artwork. I think I already said that, but it's it looks beautiful. It was one of the first comic books I ever bought. Um, and I read it. I reread it often. I love Calendar Man. I think that's an underused character. I love Catwoman in this book. I love Catwoman in general. Um... Yeah, and I think it's just a really well, it's like a genuine mystery with like genuine twists. It's just really well done. Yeah, it's a classic. So when was the first time you read it? Um, Like when you, you read it as a kid? I mean, it's a pretty dark story. Like, Yeah, I read it in like middle school. <laughs> and it was pretty dark. So I read it when I was in, um, senior year of high school i think um and i agree like first of all i love noir and like batman is inherently a noir story and like that in its art in its conception and its writing doesn't shy away. like there's if you haven't read it it's like literally if the batman meets godfather like literally oh yeah it's very it's very directly inspired by the godfire by the godfather in fact there's like shot for shot like comparisons you can make to the godfather and like that again like i think those are the things that like dc does really well it's like when you kind of don't shy away what like how artsy batman is and like batman can be like i think genuinely that's why like i out of all the dc like things i love and i still do like like batman out of like by far mile than most other things because like of how dark and edgy I know that's like a cliche, but like it's true, and I think um, the long Halloween really, really does that really, you know, well in all fronts. Then, um, oh, what was that scene? Um, I remember like this particular panel that really stood out to me. Also, like wasn't like no Solomon Grundy was in previous comic books, I think as well, right? But like it was like Solomon Grundy is definitely a part, a major part of that story. Mm-hmm. But I remember that scene um, when um, uh, the daughter, I think. Like I think was I think when he when she dies and I just remember a full panel of her falling down with like glass all over her or something or that scene I think when um there's a ship um the scene where I should am I spoiling this um but I just literally it's been out for at least twenty years it's, uh, yes um if not more but if y'all haven't read it um there is this really beautiful scene I think in a fair remember the fairy scene um like when it's just I I don't know why it's just so beautiful um there's kind of ambient scene where like um there's an assassination that occurs and then batman tries to stop it like on on the family members and then he couldn't beautiful beautiful why is um the long halloween one of the best comic books you ever read out of all the other ones what makes like the go factor it's just the storytelling is so well done 
and that um with the art really solidifies it for me since i read it when i was so young there's also like the nostalgia the nostalgia since i've reread it i was like oh this is not like my mind was blown when i got to the twist ending the first time i read it <laughs> but looking back it's like oh this is pretty obvious <laughs> but you know nostalgia um I think that well-written comic books are very rare, specifically in the DC universe, specifically for Batman. So when you find one, it's a big deal. And then now can I ask what your favorite comic book movie is then? Okay, yeah. My favorite comic book movie is Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Hear me out. In a better world, um, Bucky Barnes and Steve Rogers would be married. They'd fully be a couple. But since we are in this universe, this god-awful timeline, they're simply best friends, quote-unquote. Um, yeah, it was really the unresolved sexual tension for me. <laughs> but also, this is just a really good movie. <laughs> this movie is, and it's one of the best, if not, it's in top three MCU movies, period. The It's just a really good movie. <laughs> Also, Chris Evans is beautiful. <laughs> Wait, I have more. It's just really, it was the first, I'm going to say it was the first well-written MCU movie. It was the first MCU movie with like a coherent um, plot that was trying to sit, that actually had like a message beyond this is a comic movie. I think that you bring up a really good point in like how probably the better or the good DCU movies like they don't shy away from the the world building like that I think that's one of the things that I think Winter Soldier does really well is that like you said like it isn't just like the birth of a hero whoop-de-doo like it's more nuanced it's dark um it's like wee bit fucked up um also it doesn't there is no resolution it's like in various fronts there is no resolution um I have to agree with the sexual yes go ahead the unresolved romance <laughs> between steve rogers and bucky barnes you could write books about it and in fact people have we <laughs> we've been talking around fan fiction i have read fan fiction better than some published books specifically about steve rogers and bucky barnes <laughs> i'm like y'all need to be writing screenplays we need this on the big screen <laughs> Because the people, <laughs> the people who are writing right now just don't get it. Comic books were banned in mainstream America in the 50s because they thought it induced homosexualities. You know what? Let's give, let's give them what they want, people. Let's give us some gays what we need. It's, that's what they say. Um, yeah, no, like, I, you know, remember the days when Tumblr was gold. Um, there were so many, there was so much good fan art, so much good fan fiction. A lot of good porn. Um, <laughs> let's be real, people. Um, of yeah, the Winter Soldier, and that's because it's like it was so gripping of a story. It, it was just like that first story, and you were like, I don't know. For me, it was like gritty and grounding out of all the the Marvel movies that I saw. The other ones, like, like, and you know, y'all can fight me all you want, and uh, you, I fight with myself. But like, I sometimes, sometimes I feel like some Marvel Universe movies can be like a spectacle ride. It can be like a ride, like as Scorsese said, but like that movie was just so, it wasn't that. It was definitely more than that. And the sexual tension. 
in all seriousness, the homophobia has to stop. <laughs> because think about it. If Bucky Barnes or Steve Rogers was a woman, it wouldn't even be a question about whether or not they would end up together. Of course they're in love. <laughs> of course they're going to be married. And it's just, it's insulting. It's Genuinely, it is insulting to my intelligence for people to pretend like they're not, like there's not something more there. Y'all, it's 2020. Let's not do a Sailor Moon, this is, we are cousins moment. Oh my God. Let's not do that, <laughs> right? No, just no, no, no. And literally, like, out of all the gay relationships, it's like the most vanilla relationship. It's like two muscular, cisgendered men. Like, no one's complaining. But like, like that's a, a small step of the wide sexual spectrum that actually, I think, superhero genres can definitely explore. Um, okay, Josh, you go. What's your favorite comic book? Uh, my favorite comic book? Um... I think in terms of just writing, um, I would sue me, but it has to be The Killing Joke. Wow. By Alan Moore. Um, I will sue you. <laughs> I, <sighs> Let's talk about it. I think we can do an episode on that movie. Well, I haven't seen the movie. Oh, don't. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I've heard very bad things about it's it. It's bad. Um, I'm talking about the the one written um, by Alan Moore. I mean, I like Alan Moore um, as a writer. I think he actually genuinely, um, like, he is, um, I, like, yes, I have more mixed feelings about his recent work. I also have um, fundamental questions about his portrayal of women in The Killing Joke. And, like, is there a very prevalent male gaze in that comic book? Very much so. Um, but... In terms of storytelling alone, I think it does the most effective job. Actually, you know what? No, maybe it's not the killing joke. That's to say that's not an unpopular opinion at all. And I don't mean to like shame you. <laughs> no, like, no, but like I'm And it's like it's very like that is an amazing comic book. Like that's valid if that's your favorite comic book. But I mean, so here's the thing, I think if we are going to explain like the most effective comic book I read, it would be um, The Killing Joke. What is actually my favorite favorite though? Um, I would probably have to say, um, hmm, like the fact that I have to think about this, um, right? There's so many, but like it's, y'all like, it's a hard choice. Like I, there is so, like I can't choose, but like, you know what I have, um, yes. Um, like, I, I was, like, thinking all in my mind, like, what was, like, the most, like, thing that gave me the most emotional reaction to it? It has to be Jimmy Corrigan's Smartest Kid on Earth. Um, that book is so depressingly, like, it's so, like, you know, you know, I can summarize the ambiance and the plot of that book in, like, the one scene. Imagine a corporate office with, like, gray corporate carpets. Like, imagine Dunder Mifflin, but without all the fun and no people in it. And it's cloudy out. I've never seen the hmm? I've never seen oh, I haven't either. But like, <laughs> you know, like the kind of the cubicle, the the the. It's like a dimly lit, but like bright, but also a very dim office space. No one's in it. It's clean, but like very, very like you can s smell the Midwestern depression in there. Um, that and rain. That is that pretty much sums up the ambience of that comic book. Um, now, I know some of y'all will see that as a graphic novel. Um, I think that is 
pretty classist. Um, like it's comic books, graphic novels. The difference between that is a dollar fifty, um, or that's in paperback, or you pirated, um, or that your English professor will rant on about it. Um, like literally, there is no necessarily difference in comic book and graphic novels. But yeah, that is my favorite comic book. I, I, I have you read it or? No, I've never even heard of this comic book. <laughs> so explain why you like it. So, I like it's the most ambient thing I've ever read. Like, I think it's not necessarily a gripping story, even though it absolutely is. But it, I think, explores. It tries to actually explore the vulnerabilities of human emotions. Like it, it will make you feel depressed. Like in not just like oh this is a depressing story way. You're like oh god. You'll have moments that just sinks in because it's just so not only relatable, but like you don't even want to know how this person's feeling, but you can absolutely know how they're feeling because they portray people. I really don't like this comparison. I really don't try to make this comparison about like how it looks like a movie. It doesn't, but it does borrow techniques from a film um, that a lot of comic books don't. I think um, it has a pacing. Um, it has a style that is gut-wrenching. I know like a lot of these are very abstract points um, because like the plot itself isn't terribly exciting. It's literally about a very average average person who has all these fantastic um, imaginings when he was a child and Actually, I think actually one of the creator of that comic book actually did an interview how basically they were like, oh, this is how Stewie Griffin from Family Guy would be if he lives in the real world and he grows up. Um, it's like, it's pretty much like this. You can see like there's so much hope and like unadulterated joy and excitement and a sense of adventure um, from his younger self in the comics. And then he grows up and then it's just so darn depressing. Um, and it's done in such a convincing and gut-wrenching way. It's like a very dry comic book. It's not something that you'll like, I don't think that it will immediately, um, like, it's not a fun ride. It really isn't. But it is a, it's a good ride. It's a good ride. Um, and I feel, I don't feel better after reading it, having read it. Um, but I, I think I have a, more i have more empathy towards the world after i read it wow they should put that on like the back <laughs> like you sold that really well <laughs> um yeah that's cool <laughs> I, it's, uh yeah uh yes uh, that's all i i like just read the book y'all um if we can we'll put like a when we promote this, I'll put like a. When you see the cover, you'll you'll see it. It's just, man, 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 man. Um, but uh, my comic book movie is actually equally as dark. Um, <laughs> it's Logan. That's an amazing. Movie. Logan is a fine, fine film. I'm sure a lot of you will agree. Yeah. Right. I should have picked. That's an amazing movie. That movie had me in shock. <laughs> but you you talk about it. No, like I'm sure like. There are plenty of, you know, um, people have lionized about that film. Quite rightfully so. It should have won the Oscar. The fact that it didn't. It sh the fact that 
It was the first, like, comic book film to be nominated. First of all, it was nominated for, like, adapted screenplay. Screenplay. It should have been nominated for Best Picture. Because that was an amazing fucking movie. Like, Logan changed the comic book game. And if they... uh, Comic books should go in that direction. And it was such a great end to that character. You need to talk about this, Josh. This is your favorite movie. It is. And, like, bear in mind, I have not, like... I'm not still like that well immersed in the X-Men franchise. Like I have I think watched one or two of the X-Men movies. Um I have watched um that I'm sure DC wants to forget. I mean, Marvel wants all of us to forget, but that part when they tried to bring in Death uh, Deathpool Deadpool. Uh y'all remember that thing when like Wade comes in and he's like his mouth is sealed and he's like a medical experiment and then Wolverine kills him off. I'm sure Marvel wants you to forget about that, but I didn't um, when that came out. But like, so I wasn't that invested, and I literally walked into that movie when I was actually funny enough when I was serving in the army. Um, like, people were like, "Oh, let's like you know," I was out on weekend leave, and people were like, "Let's go watch this movie." I'm like, "Yeah, all right." Um, had no prior knowledge what this movie was about. Oh my god, oh my god, like, it's a brilliant western. And that is not mutually exclusive with comic books. I think it's a prime example of like how not comic books movies have to be, and actually, in fact, not comic book movies are these like spectacle rights that Martin Scorsese claimed them to be. Like, it is still very much a superhero movie, but in the sense like it actually explores the delicacies of what it means to be a superhero. I think in a way it pretty much did what Zack Snyder's Watchmen couldn't. Um, in a movie, right? Like explores what it means. I, I I will. I'm sure we will call Zack Schneider out constantly throughout these podcasts. Um, no one, no self loving DC person loves Chick Snyder, right? <laughs> right. He's awful. Um. Anyhow, anyhow, right? But like he explores like what it means to grow old, to live with your past selves. Like, yeah, like it didn't like introduce. Like these, like again, I didn't know about much about the prior experiences of what the exploits of X Men, but like I immediately knew who these characters were, what they did, just by how they're being portrayed now. Like they're just like empty husks of themselves, but like that husk tells so much. That movie was so different. And it was so new for comic books to go in that direction. I'm surprised that it got made. And it lost, I remember it lost to Call Me By Your Name, which I don't have to, I don't have time to go in on that right now. <laughs> but know that Logan definitely should have won. And I think the performances in that movie are amazing. Uh, like easily, I would say the best that Hugh Jackman has been. That little girl that plays Laura is incredible. Um, Patrick Stewart killed it. Every other person in that cast is like incredible. The concept is amazing. You need to watch this movie if you haven't seen it already. And it doesn't matter if you don't know anything about the X-Men. No, and like, it's like I said, it's like, it's such a good Western film. It's such a good road movie trip act movie, actually. It's a, it's a good road movie. And, like, it borrows, like, things from that genre. Again, because comic books can do those things and are those things. 
and it is so gripping it's so moving it is like such a beautiful farewell to Hugh Jackman's Wolverine and like yeah like if we define comic book movies to be where it is either in like kind of a cinematic universe and they use comic book characters like I think it's like the pinnacle of what like just it's a gripping gripping story I would say that Logan is what other comic book movies try to be yeah <laughs> so yeah that's that um Well, I honestly said, is this the end? And y'all, it's 2020, of course, this is the end. Uh, so those are our favorite comic books and comic book movies. Um, I'm sure we will go into plenty more of those. But yeah, definitely read and watch those, y'all. I'll just say, uh, I don't know, um, stay healthy, stay nerdy, and stay gay, y'all. <laughs> I love it. Okay, bye.